crowd screams out, they're screaming your name. I hope if everybody runs, you choose to stay. And I hope that you fall in love and it hurts so bad. I can readily recall a time, can't you, how at one time the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, 
not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. But it is so much different now as I live in God's freedom. As long as I did whatever I felt like doing, ignoring God, I didn't have to bother with right thinking, right living, or right anything for that matter. But can you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? Me, nothing that I'm proud of today. And where did it get you? It got me a dead end. But now I've found that you don't have to listen to sin telling you what to do, but rather have discovered the joy of listening to God telling me. And what a surprise. I mean, a whole healed, put-together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Work hard for sin your whole life, and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus right now. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to K2's grand opening. Yeah. Man, I, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for joining us today. This has been uh, years in process for us coming to this special day. And there's, there's so many people uh, that we could thank who have made this a possibility. Um, the, the Brand Brothers were here this morning who've helped finance this, this whole building, just the partnerships that we've had. I, I also would like to say I'm really honored that uh, Ted Iyer, the mayor of Murray, has joined us uh, today. Ted, I don't know if you would like to just stand and say thank you so much. Yeah. So v- very grateful for your presence, and we're excited to be in your city and um, excited about what, what, what's happening here together. So how about that opening song? Uh, It was so funny. I think it was about a month ago. I I went to Mike Rutledge. He's our arts director who who sang the opening number. And I went to Mike and I said, Mike, there's a song we have to do to open up this new series. And he's like, and I told him what it was. And he said, we are. (laughs) I'm like, perfect. And as we look at this verse, you guys, um, for me personally, this is what I long to share with you this morning. When I engaged my heart and my life uh, with Jesus Christ, the thing that surprised me, and this is what we want to talk about, we're going to talk about today for the next four weeks, we've titled this series, How Life is a Surprising Adventure. And what surprised me is that Jesus Christ said, I came so that you could have life. And that this life, it would be something that would be full for you. And so, man, in that opening song when it says, I, ha- I hope that you'll take that jump and that you don't fear the fall. And then he says, and I don't know about you, I'm hoping by the time my life is over, for all of us in this room, that we'll be able to say, like that song said, I did it all. I owned every second that this world gave me. But the truth is, you and I are faced all the time with opportunities to take the jump. 
And lots of times there are opportunities that, that scare us or, or we're, we're, we're just afraid of them. But these opportunities are there. And the and, 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 and point is, are we going to take them? Like that first step of I'm going to ask her out or not, right? <laughs> That's a huge one. Or to be able to stand with somebody at the altar and say, I'm all in. To put the proposal together, to try out for that team. There have been so many opportunities for you to take the jump. But usually, sometimes it's because we're just too busy or our life is so full that we miss the opportunities that are laid before us. Most of the time, I think it's because we're scared. And just like that song said, I pray that you would take the jump and not fear the fall. And here's what I know. Every one of you in this room, at some point, the message today is standing at the precipice. And some of you in this room, with different things in your life, you stood at a precipice and you jumped. And you know right now, it's helped make you who you are today. But the truth is, there's not a human being in this room as well, where you know you stood at a precipice and you didn't jump. For whatever reason, you missed it. And every one of us in this room looks back and we've got some regrets because there's some things that we wish we would have stepped out and taken. And that's what we want to talk about today. So for me, um, I remember growing up. So I'm, I'm from Michigan originally, and I grew up in the forest of Michigan. And every spring, there was this one tree that my older brother sister would climb and I can still picture, man, it was in the corner of our woods. And every spring, we'd get up to this point, and I was so excited as I got old enough because I'm going to climb this tree too. And when I was five or six years old, we got to that point, and I climbed up to the first branch, and they're all the way at the top going, come on, Dave. And I'm like, no, this is good. Right here. And then I climbed back down. I couldn't do it. And I just thought, you know what? When I'm six, I'm going to do it. And that's why I told I'll do it next year. Next year, we went up to that same tree. My brother and sister climb up. I get to the first branch. I freeze and I go, I can't do it. Year after year, I went to that tree and watched my brother and sister climb it. And year after year, because of my fear, I didn't do it. Anybody else have a fear of heights? <laughs> okay, good. I'm in good company. Some of you have missed out on some stuff too. But I tried to tackle that. So my dad was a high school teacher. So during the summer, he would paint houses. That's what our job was. So obviously I went and did some work with him as well. And one year he got the job to paint our church and it was a big building. And I was so proud of myself because I actually got on a ladder and climbed up the ladder and got on the roof of a church. And I was all excited. And I just remember laying myself out because I was scared to death, <laughs> but I was painting the trim right on the side of the church laying there. But I'm like, I doing it. I'm busting my fear. And then I'll never forget, though, when it became time to come back down, I couldn't move. <laughs> and I just laid sprawled on this roof. And it was so humiliating because I remember every year I had to tell my brother and sister, no, I can't climb that tree. And this time at this job, my brother, my older brother, was on the job and sprawled out on the roof. I had to call out to him and go, Mark. I can't come down. He literally had to come and take my feet and put them on the ladder for me because I couldn't do it. So about 14 years ago, we were back at our church in Detroit, and my older brother now is the arts director at our church back in Michigan. And he gave me a call one day, and he said, hey, Dave, we're doing this message, 
and it's on fear. And you're the one who's scheduled to speak on it. He goes, I have a great idea. He goes, how would you like to do a video facing your greatest fear? Here's what we'd love for you to do. We want you to jump out of a plane. And so I obviously said, no. <laughs> There's no way. And it was, it, I had just been married about a year and a half. My oldest daughter was just a few months old. I'm like, that's just stupid. I'm not going to do that. But then Susie and I got together and we prayed. And here's what I realized. Every week in this place, I ask every one of you to somehow face a fear. Every week. Because faith, taking steps of faith, takes a lot of courage. And so Susie and I talked about it more, and I'm like, and actually, who do I really believe is in control of my life? Are my days numbered or not? It's really easy to talk about that. It's another thing to actually believe that there is a God who's in control of your life. So long story short, I called back my brother and I said, I'll do it. And I'll never forget, man, showing up to that place, putting on the suit, going inside, and basically every sheet that you sign says, yes, I know I could die, right? <laughs> In fact, I think it says, I won't sue you because I'm dead, is, is what it, and I, I signed all those sheets, it's freaking me out. I walk outside, and it's a cloudy, windy, blustery day, and I'm standing next to the pilot, and he's up there looking at the sky, and he goes, yeah, I don't know if we should do this. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, out of all days, this is it? And so finally, it clears up enough, and he goes, all right, let's go. We can make this happen. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I hop in this tiny little prop plane, right? So I'm sitting, you know, seating, just, sitting, sitting just like this, all crammed in there with these people. And I'm watching whatever that is, not the odometer, but the thing that lets you know you're getting up to 10,000 feet. And when we finally got to 10,000 feet, right next to me, the door just, boom, it's gone. I'm like, yeah. I literally was looking for every possible thing that I could hold on to. It was freaking me out. And then the guy latches himself onto me, and he says, okay, step out of the plane. Now, so we didn't jump from the plane. This was like an old Snoopy plane. They had the, and I had to literally step out and grab on to the plane. You guys ever done this? You know what happens? Your face goes, <laughs> Yeah. The G-force is unbelievable. And so I step out and I hold on to this plane. He says, ah. And then the guy grabs my head, puts it on his chest, and we go, boom, and we go backwards. And I don't know if he just knew I was scared to death or what, but he just decided to have some fun. So we did three somersaults <laughs> as we went back. And then when we stopped doing that, then we went like this. It was insane. And I want to tell you, man, when you jump off, the, it is just the thrill of that experience is crazy. And then all of a sudden, and it's absolute peace. It's crazy. The peace and the calm once the shoot comes. So I said to the guy, does anybody ever thrown up on you up here before? <laughs> All that spinning was not good for my stomach. But I want to tell you, the jump that God asks human beings to take is way more intense than that. It's, 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 it's actually pretty ridiculous 
when you're standing there, and I, I just want to tell you today, this is what I want to address with, with you all today, is I, I do, I believe with all of my heart that there is an opportunity to actually experience God and to know Him and to receive a life that is way more than any of us have ever dreamed. And I know for some of you in this room, you've been, you're intrigued by God. And I'm just, I'm going to throw Jesus in there too. Like, you, you've been maybe even seeking, you've been wondering, could this whole Christianity thing be something that I should consider? And I know some of you, it's like you've, you've been right at the precipice. But for whatever reason, you haven't been able to jump. And my goal for today is I just want to say this. I want to make sure that you know what that jump really means. Because I think sometimes we're holding back from jumping into this life that God has for us because of stuff that's not even really true about him. Now, and here's the other thing. In our country today, this whole idea, I know this, right? I mean, the, the whole idea of Jesus or Christianity, most people are just outright rejecting it. It, it feels pretty foolish. And I just want to say, if you're here today, and at this point right now, this idea of Jesus Christ and Christianity, eternal life, all that, if it's something that you, you are, and just in your own heart, you do, I just can't buy that. Here's the greatest news. I just want to tell you that God gives every human being the freedom to choose or not. But I, my hope today is this. If you want to reject Christianity, I just want to make sure you know what you're rejecting. Because my sense has been that a lot of people are saying no to something that actually isn't Christianity at all. But really, it's a distortion of it. And it's a caricature of it. And, um, and then, I just want to address, for all of you, many of you in here, you would say that you're Christian. If you said, hey, what are you? I'm a Christian. But that John 10, 10 verse is not what you're experiencing. This life this joy, this freedom, this peace, this love, this patience, this strength. There's a po I mean, everything that God says is available. You're going, oh, I'm a Christian, but that's not my experience. And I want to say, I think I, what I've realized is Christianity is not just one jump out of the plane. It's like you jump out and you're like, oh, you mean there's more? And what you realize is there's jump after jump. There's step after step. And many of you are Christians, but the truth is you're spend, you've been standing at a precipice too, and you're scared to death. And so what's happening is you're not actually experiencing the life that God has for you. So there you go. Today, where the roadmap where we're going today is I just simply want to make sure that if all of you who came and joined us, and if today is your one day to visit with us, thank you so much. And I just want to make sure you understood the heart and soul of who we are and why we do what we do. Just why we do it, all right? So now let me, I'm going to pray, and I would love for you to consider praying for yourself. Because here's what, here's what, can I just say this? I don't get it. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I do not understand how God speaks. Like, I know how he speaks to me. But the mystery to me is this, is that sometimes you'll gather together like this, and, and God, I'm going to just share his word with you. We've prayed that his presence would be with us. And, and, and you'll have this come. And sometimes you'll get done with a service and you go, oh, all right, that was interesting. And you'll walk out. 
And then every once in a while, you'll be sitting in a place like this, hearing a goofball like me, sharing some stuff, and your heart will do something different. I can't explain it. I wish I could manufacture it. I wish I could push a button today that would go, God's going to speak to you today. I can't. But I am going to ask that he will. Because by the end of today, if you actually hear God speak to your heart and not just hear words from me, you will have a chance to respond. And he will ask you to jump. And you will experience life like you never knew before. That's been our journey. All right, so let me pray for us and let's do it. Father, thank you so much for every person who's here. We are so grateful for your amazing love and care for us. And Lord, here's what we know. We know that you are well aware of what every person brought in here today. We, you know every thought. You know every desire. You know every fear. You know every conflict. You know their life situation. You know what they think about you. And you care. So my prayer right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, is simply that your Holy Spirit would speak. And Jesus, I don't know how many times in the Word you say, he who has ears, let him hear. And my prayer is that you would do more than I can do, but that you would really speak so we hear you. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to try to simplify this as much as possible today. There's basically two things you need to know, okay? If you, if you want to understand what Christianity is, if you want to understand what it means to, 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 to know Jesus, there's two things you need to know, okay? They're this. God loves and God gave. Can we all say those together? Just say those together. God loved and God gave. Okay, so that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping you'll walk out of here and go, I get this now. <laughs> God loves and God gave. So that's the two things you need to know. But then there's two things you need to do if you're actually going to experience that, is, and that is we believe and we receive. So let's say those two things. We believe and we receive. Pretty simple, huh? The whole gospel message is simply that. God gave. God loved. I'm sorry, God loved. God gave. We believe and we receive. And by the way, this, this word gospel, right, is such a churchy word, but back in this day, it wasn't. Because all the gospel means is good news. <laughs> and so, like, if there was a war and the, and, the, and, the, and the military commander, if they actually won and they sent somebody to go back to the town and share good news, and the guy comes back, he goes, We won! Everybody's like, Woo! That was gospel. That's all that word was. <laughs> it's somebody who brought good news. So, here's the good news. Let's look at number one God loved. Now, if you've been around the church or not for very long, this maybe sounded familiar to you because all I'm going to undo is unpack a very familiar verse. If there's one verse in the Bible that explains what Christianity is, it's John 3.16, okay? And some of you are like, you know that right off the bat. Some of you are like, I've seen that. Where have I seen that? You saw it in the end zone with a guy with really, remember that guy <laughs> with the rainbow hair? Okay, I'm giving my age. Um, but the, John 3.16, here we go. This is what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So here we go, man. God loved. And I want to tell you, man, this is good news. Because the truth is, every human being runs away from God. Why do we do this? I ran away from God. I remember running from God. I'm just glad that he ran faster, right? And that's what I find, is that the human nature is always afraid of God and we're running away from him when God is coming and saying, wait, I just have good news. I actually love you. Why is our response that way towards God? I think it's because we have the same perception of our relationships with each other. Our immediate response to God is the same way we respond to people. Tomorrow morning, if you walk into work and immediately your boss contacts you and says, hey, I'd like you to come into my office. What's your immediate response? Uh, uh, what did I do? Yeah. What did I do wrong? <laughs> you, that's, that's how we act. And it doesn't have to be your boss. The craziest thing is, you guys, is we do this with friends. You'll have somebody that you know call you up and say, hey, man, I was wondering if we could have coffee on Wednesday. Oh, crap, what did I do? Right? And then you get there and you're waiting and, and there's something inside of us that always cringes when we think about engaging with another person. Why is that? I think it's because we know this. Every human being knows this. We are immediate in our defensive stance because in every human relationship, if you fall short or if you do something wrong, then you know that that person is going to pull their love away from you. And every one of us in this room has experienced that. And if that's all we experience with each other, you better have your A game on because as soon as you don't, then people are going to be angry with you. If that's what we experience on earth, then when we all of a sudden start to engage with God, we feel like he is the same way. And I just want to tell you, when I thought about what to share with you all today, um, if I die on my way home, I'm going to be a happy man. Not really, because I'd like to hang around a little while. But I, I will be happy because I'm going to share with you the absolute three most important verses in the whole Bible to me. It's all about God's love. Here it is, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. The writer says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here's what I want to do. I'm just going to unpack three words, three words from, this, from these verses that help us to understand. Because if we're going to say, because I can come up to you and say, hey, God loves you. But what does that look like? And I want to tell you, what I'm going to unpack for you, it's so supernatural, it's so divine, it is so different than our human experience that the Bible actually says we need power to grasp it. <laughs> In other words, our human capability to grasp the love of God, is be, we can't do it. We actually need his help. And here's why. The first word uh, in verse 6, it says that God loves us when we are powerless. Now, let me just ask you a question. I'd love for you to answer me, answer me back. If you're powerless, what can you do? Nothing. Nothing. Now, here, check this out. 
in every human relationship, we always love people because of what they do. And all of you have loved someone and have been loved because of what you've done. Here's the crazy thing. If we're honest with ourselves, as soon as that person stops doing the thing that we loved, what do we do? We pull our love away. And I know that every one of us in this room, you have been loved by another human being. And then all of a sudden, you couldn't do what you used to do. And they pulled their love away, didn't they? And here's what's amazing to me, is God looks at us and he says, can I just tell you something? You can do nothing. And the key to this verse right here is it says, you see, at just the right time. At just the right time. So God is looking at all of you today, and, he, and he's saying, when you can do nothing, that's just the right time for me to love you. Now, why is that the case? Here's why. You guys, and I'm telling you, every human does this. If you think that God loves you because of what you do. So if you're out here today and you go, well, man, if I go to church or if, I, if I'm nice, if I'm a good person, if I do all these things, because then you think, okay, I think I've finally done enough and now God might love me. But here's the problem with that. That means as soon as you stop doing those things, what's God going to do? He's going to stop loving you. And I'm telling you, human beings, this is the greatest spiritual battle on this planet is we think that God's love towards us is based on our behavior. And this verse blows that out of the water. And that's why God looks at every one of you today and he says, listen, I know you. And I know you're powerless to get over your addiction. I know you and I know you're powerless to love your wife right now or your husband. I know you and I know you're powerless to get over your anger issues with your children. God looks at every one of you and he says, listen, when you can't do even what you want to do, God goes, perfect timing. This is when I love you. And I tell you what, man, if we start to grasp that first word, it will change everything. But the second word is just as important. You see, at just the right time when we were powerless, Christ died for the who? Ungodly. So if we're ungodly, that means we're not like God. And so and, and the, the same thing is true again of human love. We always love people who are like us. In fact, it'll be really easy, right? You'll, you hang around with this crowd today, and before you know it, you'll be totally engaging with people. Hey, they, they, they dress like me. It looks like they're the same. They have the same, 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 and we love that. Now, I always share this with, uh, in, our, in my premarital stuff and with, with uh, married couples, because this is really important too. Because there's another truth, right? And that is that opposites attract. Isn't that weird? I mean, when you're looking for someone to spend the rest of your life with, you find this person and they're so unlike you and you go, oh, that's awesome. Because then if we get together, you'll what? You'll complete me. <laughs> and then every one of us in this room who's married knows that the thing that you, that you thought was so attractive after marriage, it ain't so cute anymore. <laughs> In fact, that thing I thought I liked, I don't like it anymore. Because I thought that once we got married, you'd start seeing things my way. <laughs> so you guys all know this, don't you? 
And it's true, when someone isn't like you, you start pulling your love away. And what does God say? Listen, this is so true. You have never been like him. You have never been godly. And what God is saying is, I know everything about you that isn't like me. And that is when I would die for you. You guys, this is so important to understand. Because I heard a guy one time, he said, we must come to God unlike him. And we're all like, no, 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 no. I got to clean myself up and make myself as good as I possibly can. And then God will accept thee. And God's going, no, please stop. Stop putting the mask on. Stop pretending. Stop trying to be something that you're not. Because what God is saying through this, you guys, is the only you that I love is you. I love the powerless person. I love the ungodly person. And I don't want you to clean yourself up. I want to clean you up. But the only way that you will ever know that you're loved and that you're valuable and that your life matters is you and I have to know that there's a God who says when you're powerless and ungodly, I love you. The third one is in verse 8. And he goes on to say this. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Guys, now catch this. I'm going to demonstrate to you how I love you. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Now, this word sinner, okay, is a, it's a Greek archery term. So basically the guy would pull his bow back and every time he'd shoot for the bullseye, every time he missed, they'd go, hamartia, which is the Greek word for sin. You blew it. You missed it. And so there's a standard, there's a bullseye, there's something you're aiming for. And every time you miss that, that's what sin is. You fall short of the standard. And this is true again in our human relationships. I think this one more than any other. When I stand at a wedding and there's a man, a groom, and a bride. On that day, here's what I know. The groom is saying on that day, out of all the other women on this planet, you've met my standard. So I'm willing to give my life to you. And that bride in all her white is looking over at that guy saying, out of all the men in the planet, you're the one guy who's met my standard, and I will offer my whole life to you. And then, again, as soon as you get married, all of a sudden we go, hey, remember that standard? Remember that agreement? And actually, we don't remember the agreement because the agreement said, no matter what, until death, I'm with you. But what we do is we do this. You don't jump as high as you used to. And every couple that we work with and every person that I'm in relationship with, when the other person all of a sudden can't be anymore what I want you to be, what do you do? You pull your love away. And so how hard is this as a human being? How risky is it? You want to talk about jumping off a precipice to enter into a relationship where you know I'm not going to jump as high as I need to. And what's going to happen when I don't? Are you going to pull your love away from me? You guys, look at what God says. He says, you have never met my standard. God says, my standard is actually holiness. He goes, and you have fallen short all the time. And that's when I die. You guys see what that says? While we were still sinners. So what's God saying? He's going, I'm not telling you to stop being a sinner 
so that you can get my love. God is going, I know you're a sinner, and you need to know I love you. And I'm telling you, this is so radical. And that's why the Bible says you need supernatural grace and help to understand this. Because every human being is going, is trying to be good enough, trying to be like God, and trying, right, to meet God's standard. And I don't know about you, I've never met God's standards. Anybody else ever, ever met God's standard? Anybody else in here sin? Just, just curious. Okay. So here's what I've been saying for 10 years. K2, the church, is for the messed up people. And, and here's why. That's me. That's me. And if every one of you would be honest, that's you. And Jesus is looking at us in all of our brokenness. And he's, he knows everything about you. And he's going, I know you're powerless. I know you're ungodly. I know you're a sinner. And that's just the right time for me to love you. So, how key that is to know that. So God loves. So when someone says to me, why are you Christian, Dave? I can say, because there's one thing I know. God loves me. And that's huge. But if you love somebody, what do you do? Anybody who loves somebody, you just, you give to them. You just give. And so that's why John 3.16 goes on. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And that's just, that's just a simple sign that you actually love. And so how many of you love to give good gifts to your kids? Anybody love to give gifts to your kids? Okay, that was like five of you. <laughs> wow, we need to do some parenting seminars. <laughs> I mean, I, I love to give good gifts to my kids. In fact, uh, just last week, two of my kids had their birthdays. But you know, how, how, how weird would it be if I took my kids and I said, hey, so here's how we're going to do birthdays from now on. I want you all year long to save up as much money as you can so that you can try to, to earn your, your present. And then whatever money you don't get, then I'll, 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 I'll buy that for you. How many of you give gifts to your kids like that? See, so here's what's interesting. The word gift means that I graciously give to you. You guys, look at this verse. This is so important to understand. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Look at this. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And so here's what's crazy is all of us are running away from God and God's running after us going, I just want to love and I just want to give you gifts. <laughs> And yet we're running away from him. Why is that? It's kind of like your kid who's running into the street, right? When you see your kid running into the street, what do you do? You're running after him, right? And they see you and they go, ah! And then they're running away from you. And you're going, I'm just trying to save your life. And that's what we're like with God. And what God is saying is, listen, I just love you so much that I want to give. And then what does God give us? It says, his son. Why did Jesus come? Why did God give us his son? And you know what Jesus says? In Ephesians 5.1, it says, Christ loved us and he gave himself up for us. You guys, there's only one reason that God gave us his son. 
And that was to forgive us all of our sin. Yes, this is the greatest news. That, 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 that God came and Jesus Christ came as a Savior to actually save us from our sin. Well, then you got to ask, well, what's sin? Sin, you guys, is just at our core. It's the human nature that says, I want to live for me more than for God and more than others. It's sin is what makes us say, I don't want to do what God wants us to do. And so what happens is you separate yourself from God. And, and I want to tell you something. This was, I always love all the good news, but I got to tell you some truth too, because Jesus just made this really clear. Sin, God is actually going to punish sin. Okay, so welcome. <laughs> but he is going to punish sin. But here's the crazy thing. You actually want him to punish sin. Every one of us actually wants a God who's just. We really do. Now, I'm a football guy, for those of you guys who don't know me, but I love football. Do you guys remember the Ray Rice situation last year? How many of you remember Ray Rice? Okay, how many of you saw him cold cock his, his uh, wife in the, in the elevator, right? And when you saw that, what rose up inside of you? This is wrong. But what was really interesting to me was to watch the whole nation be in an uproar because they thought that Roger Goodell and the Baltimore Ravens were going to do what? Nothing. See, there's something inside of us. When we see something that's wrong, we actually want justice to be served. <laughs> so the truth is, we want justice. We just don't want it for ourselves. <laughs> That's kind of how it works. But I just want to tell you, sin at its core is what destroys your freedom, your peace, and all of your relationships. And I am so grateful we have a God who says, I hate sin. And it actually will be punished. So when Jesus Christ came, the good news was his whole reason for coming was on the cross to receive the punishment for sin. So God was saying, yes, I'm going to punish sin, but I'm going to punish it in my son so that everything you've ever done has already been punished. And I, I just want to tell you, so for me, again, when I look in the mirror and go, Dave Nelson, you are so messed up. I don't want to face a God and go, hey, God, look how good I was. Anybody else want to do that? Any of you really want to get up front, in front and see God and go, hey, how, look at me. Like, no, you've been looking at me, right? <laughs> so here's what I want. God's going to punish sin, and either you can pay the price for it, or you can accept Jesus Christ's payment for you. And the good news is, the price has been paid. It is done. It is finished. And everything I've ever done wrong, all of my sin, has already been punished in Christ. And the Bible tells us since God is just, since he's already punished my sin one time, if he punished me again for my sin, would he be just? No. Since my sin has been punished and he's a just God, now he can look at me and say, Dave Nelson, as the Bible says, is justified. He is completely forgiven because of my son. And I just want to tell you guys, that's the greatest news in all the world. Why are you a Christian, Dave? <laughs> I'm a Christian because God knows how messed up I am, and he loves me exactly as I am. And I'm a Christian because he gave me Jesus Christ as my Savior who took all of my sin away from me. And now I'm free. 
Woo! Okay, so, all right, well, okay, well, then what do you got to do? And now we go. There's two things we got to do. The first one is this. We need to believe. We need to believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him. Now, I want to tell you, I think this is where we're, all of us in this room are missing it, okay? And I, I just want to say, I think it's partly because the Bible says when it says believe, notice it says believe in. It doesn't say believe that. And I think there's a lot of us in this room who believe that there is a God. But we actually haven't believed in God. And I, I want to tell you, some of this, I think, was from our educational system, at least when I grew up in, right? Because I graduated from high school with a 3.5 and college with a 3.5. And I knew nothing. How can that be? Well, because I understood the game. You give me information, I spit back information, and then you say I know stuff. And I just knew how to play that game. And the problem is, we think that's what it means to know something, so then when it comes to God, we think, okay, well, I just take in information, and if I can spit it back, I know God. And you guys, that's not what this word means. This word means that you actually trust in him. So the best illustration I can give, and I, I gave this a few months ago back. I thought a lot of people knew this, but a lot of people don't. And it's a story of a guy named Charles Blondin. And Charles Blondin was a professional tightrope walker back in the 1800s. And so he would go to Niagara Falls and stretch a rope across Niagara Falls and do these amazing feats. And back then, people were just, they loved him. And they, in fact, when he would do his stuff, they, it says that they would scream so loud you couldn't hear the falls. Have you guys been to those falls? Those are no easy. So one day, Charles comes out, and he's standing on the precipice, on the edge, and he, has his, uh, he brings a wheelbarrow. And he says, how many of you believe that I could take this wheelbarrow across the edge and come back? And everybody's like, yeah, we know you can do it, Charles. You're amazing. Sure enough, man, he goes across with a wheelbarrow and comes back. They're all screaming, and they love him. And then he goes, how many of you believe that I could put somebody in the wheelbarrow and go across and come back? And everybody's like, yeah, you can do it, man. You can do anything. And he said, well, who wants to get in? <laughs> and who got in? Nobody. Nobody. So did they believe? No. Jesus, help us. Uh, like, seriously, guys, if I could tell you anything, after 27 years of doing ministry, I run into a lot of people who believe that God is. But not as many people who believe in. And many of us are standing on the edge and God says, hey, do you believe that I love you? Yeah. Do you believe that I died for you? Yeah. Well, then get in. And that's where we go, well, let's not get crazy here. <laughs> I was just coming to church, you know. <laughs> but that's why going to church doesn't change anything. You guys, you don't become a Christian by going to church. As the one guy said, that's like sleeping in your car, sleeping in your garage and thinking you're going to become a car. <laughs> it's... It's not believing that God is there. The Bible says even demons believe, and they shudder. When God says, I so love you, and I love you, powerless, ungodly sinner, you, 
Will you trust me? That's when I think you need to hear his voice. And it wasn't until that day when I stood at that precipice. And I want to tell you what, man. When you start feeling God stirring your soul and he's saying to you, I love you, but you don't trust me. Would you jump in? That's way worse than the door of the plane ripping by. Talk about grabbing onto stuff. <laughs> like, I don't want to give my life to God. Why is that? Why is it that we don't want to? When he says, I love you, and I want to give you. But that's how it goes. So what do we need to do? You got to believe, which means you got to trust him. And then we'll close out, and he says this. And God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish. But what? Have eternal life. So we believe and then we receive. But I just got to tell you something. This is the other thing. This is a surprise. Talk about a surprising adventure. The first thing that surprises you about God is, you love me? Powerless, ungodly sinner, me? That's a surprise. The second thing that's a surprise is, you're not asking me to clean myself up? No. You mean I don't have to work for this thing? No, that's a surprise. Here's a third surprise. Eternal life doesn't mean you get to live forever. Everybody lives forever. Somewhere. Everybody's going to live forever. And we kind of know this, right? Because if someone dies and we're addressed at a funeral or something, we end up asking this question, what happens to me when I die? And you go, well, haven't you been to a funeral, right? They put you in a box and they put a hole and, and then you're done. And yet we go, no, not what happens to my body. Like, what happens to me? Why are we asking that question? The Bible would say it's because God created you in his image and he created you for him. There's something inside of us that knows there's more. And so when we get to this point, Jesus defines, so we, and, and it's interesting, because if I believe in Jesus Christ, if I put my faith in him, what the Bible says in John 3.16 is, I have eternal life. That means I possess it right now. So what Jesus said in John 17.3 is, this is eternal life, and he defines it for us. Eternal life is that you know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. So again, not know about, know him. You guys are new. My wife's right over here. Like, I know her. You know, I don't read books about her. You guys read books about your spouse? That'd be kind of weird, right? No, I know her. And what Jesus is saying is eternal life is as soon as you believe, as soon as you trust me, as soon as you go into the wheelbarrow, he goes, you know what happens? I forgive you. You receive forgiveness of all of your sin, and you'll never have to fear punishment ever again. And you receive me. You guys, the gift of eternal life, you know what the gift is? It's him. This is the surprise of all surprises that God is saying you were never meant to walk on this planet by yourself. You were never meant to try to figure out your marriage or your addiction issues or your fear or your anxiety. You were never meant to try to have to prove that you were worth anything. And when you trust me, I give you my spirit. 
the Holy Spirit of God comes inside of you, and then you're a new creation. And what the Bible says is, you and I, we can't even follow God until we receive his spirit. It's his spirit inside of us, the same spirit that Jesus had, that actually empowered Jesus to say yes to God. So here's all of us running away from God, saying no to God. And then he goes, hey, you, you who are running away from me, I love you. Turn around. And as soon as you turn around and put your trust in him, he gives you his spirit. And here's the craziest thing to me. I had no idea that when God would give me his spirit, I finally have a desire to follow God. You can't even want to. You, know, you can want to, but you won't follow him until you have a heart transplant. And that heart transplant is receiving the spirit of God. And it's the greatest gift in all the world is there doesn't have to be another minute of another day that you ever spend by yourself. But God's presence can be with you. And I want to tell you, when you have his presence, the Bible says, the fruit of my spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. And that I know every human being is looking for. So man, I got good news. God loved. So God gave. We believe. And we receive. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to offer you today. So, as our band comes up here, we're going to listen to this song. And I want to tell you, again, here's what I don't know. This is the mystery. I don't know what's stirring inside of you. If there's something deeper going on in your heart, if you feel a wooing or a drawing to God to trust him. But in this song, you're going to hear some very important stuff. You're going to see, I'm, I'm guilty, and yet you right my wrong. You gave your life, Jesus, you gave your life to give me mine. And all we want you to do is, while, the, while our team is, 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 is singing this song, would you just reflect on it? Imagine the possibilities. Could it be that God looks at you and loves you? And could it be that he could give you his life so you could find yours? And let's, let's meditate, let's enjoy the song together.
afraid I'd let you down Inside I doubt that you still love me But in your eyes there's only grace So, years ago, I was sitting in a church service like this, and I heard for the first time, or maybe not for the first time, <laughs> that I needed to have my sin be forgiven so that I wouldn't have to pay for it. That if I do want to spend eternity with Jesus, then I need a new heart. Because, by the way, just so you know, like heaven, you guys, is going to be a place where everybody actually says yes to God. And that's why we need new hearts to make us like that forever. Because I don't know about you, but um, if, 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 if heaven wasn't a place where everybody said yes to God, then that means it would be like earth. <laughs> and does anybody want to do this again? And so that's why we need. So I remember sitting there thinking, I don't want to stand before God based on my own righteousness because I'm not very righteous. 
I want to stand before God totally forgiven because of Jesus and what he did for me. And are you kidding me? You mean you would actually pour your spirit inside of me so I could be filled with love and joy and peace? So that I could help people who are powerless and ungodly and sinner, and instead of pulling my love away from them, I could actually love? I'm in. And it was on that day where I said, man, I want you, I'm, I'm, putting, I'm getting in the wheelbarrow. I don't want to stand on the sideline anymore. I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to trust you. And I just felt like it would be very remiss of me this morning to not give you the chance to do the same thing. And here's where I'm saying, I don't get this. I don't. Because I know some of you have heard this today, and it's like you're thinking about it. But I know this, man, when God, some of you today, I really believe God actually has been speaking to your heart. And you know you need your sin forgiven. And you're ready to trust Jesus to do that. And you know you need help with your life. And you don't want to try on your own anymore. And so here's all I want to say. If that's you, if you want to be a guy like me who finally gave up and gave in and got in the wheelbarrow and you want to say yes to Jesus Christ and receive him today, I just, I'd love to ask you just to stand up right now as a symbol to God. If you know, this is only if you haven't received him. Don't do it a third time. But I mean, seriously, if you want to receive Jesus Christ today and put your faith in him, go ahead and stand up. It's awesome. Cool. And I know it's bold to stand up in front of hundreds of people. Go ahead and stay standing because I want to pray for you. I know it's scary. Some of you are scared right now. You're like, you're standing at the precipice and you're going, no way, baby. I ain't doing it. But I just, I just want to remind you, if you don't do it, then what you're saying is, I'm good. And so let me just pray for all of you who are standing right now. Let's do this. God, thank you so much for grace. Thanks for loving, powerless, ungodly sinners. Thanks for meeting us right where we're at. And thanks for offering us new life and freedom. Thanks for offering us a relationship with you. We just want to say we love you. And I pray you just bless every person who took the courage to stand up right now and say, I'm in. Charles Blondin, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm in. Lord, would you bless them right now with a sense of your presence, of your Holy Spirit, setting them free and giving them new life. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's all stand together. Um, so here's how we, how we roll at K2, is God gave us this really cool gift called worship. And something deeper happens in your soul when you sing. And so we're just going to have a chance just to, to sing to God, to engage our heart with his. If you, I know for many of you, these will be new songs, but just enjoy them whenever you feel free. Just come in and join us. Let's give God some praise and some thanks for loving us the way that he does.